Well done. Now, I wanted every household to have one of these. At the top it says, Step by Step with Jesus, a Holy Week timeline. And so if your household doesn't have one of these yet, the ushers have them and can, uh, can get one to you. Okay? Now, there may be extras. And if there are extras, they'll be back here on the round table. You can grab one as you leave um, today. Uh, this is really a, a walkthrough, looking at all the Gospels, a walkthrough what happens every day of Holy Week. And it talks about what Jesus did and the disciples did each day. And the purpose of it is so that you can, uh, every day this week, you can pull it out, Look at it, read it. It has references. You can go and read more than what's in here, but it gives you a starting point to understand and see what happened each day. And so that's my hope, is that uh, you, your family, you know, somehow you will all do this and walk through and contemplate what happened during Holy Week all those years ago. Now, we started out... This morning, outside, and and you were given this this introduction. It says, "Today, with the whole church, we herald the beginning of the celebration of the Paschal mystery." Now, first of all, what what does Paschal mean? Yeah, it's a reference to Passover. We'll talk about that in just a second. On this day, which day? Today, it's Palm Sunday. Our Lord Jesus, the Christ, entered Jerusalem, was welcomed as a king with palms and shouts of praise, and today we greet him as our king, though we know his crown was a crown of thorns and his throne a cross. Interesting way to think about it, isn't it? Therefore, I invite you to follow our Lord this holy week from his triumphal entry through his suffering and death to the glory of his resurrection. That's why you have this. So you have a means of following that daily this week. Okay? We're going to get some practice of that today. All right? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. The, talking about the Paschal mystery, the word comes from Pascha, which comes from a Hebrew word, Pesach, which means Passover. What's the big deal about Passover? Why, why are we talking about Passover this week? Right, right. There's a Jewish celebration, and it was the celebration going on in Jerusalem while all the other stuff in Holy Week happens. Okay? Somehow, in God's economy, God chose this week of Passover to purchase the world as his very own. Okay? So, uh, why, this was called a Paschal mystery. Why is it a mystery? Why do we call it a mystery?
I, I would I would say yes, and I would I would change the perspective on it just a little bit to say there's so much to it that you can always go deeper and learn more about it. It's not that we can't know anything, and so we say, huh, it's a mystery, I don't know. It's that there's so much to it that God, out of His grace, had to reveal it to us, and that it's something that we can continue learning about. So as you follow through the the booklet this week, if you take your time with it, you're going to have a couple of things happen. First of all, you're going to have times that you say, whoa, I never realized that. That's awesome. And then you're also going to have some things that you say, huh, I wonder why that is. And you'll have to dive in and chase it out and read a little bit more and pray over it and and, but here's what I want you to do. As you go through and read through this daily this week, I want you to ask two questions every day. The first question that I want to ask, I want you to ask is, what did Jesus do? In the passages and the things that happened, you know, tomorrow when you're doing this, either in the morning or in the evening during the day, when you read through it, I want you to be asking yourself, what did Jesus do? After you read it, can you say, huh, this is what Jesus did? Then I want you to ask, well, what does that teach you about Jesus? Why is that important? What does it say? You know, uh, what's important about that? So we're going to get some practice doing this, okay? there's As we do this, I just want you to know we have 200 people in the room. There's going to be at least 400 questions about every point we bring up. We won't get to all of them, all right? But when you're doing this on your own or with your family, boy, you can dive in and, and get a lot of things answered. God will teach you an awful lot of stuff. So as, as you look on this, it starts out with uh, Friday, or really we know by Friday, just before Palm Sunday. So a couple of days ago, if we were at the time, uh, there was some stuff happening, first of all. Out of Mark 10, we know they were on their way to Jerusalem. That's all the disciples and Jesus. Jesus was walking along ahead, and as the disciples were following, they were filled with terror and dread. So you can picture that, right? Jesus is hes going down the road, and they're kind of following him, and they are nervous. Do you know why they're nervous? The last time they were close to Jerusalem, Jesus had called Lazarus out of the tomb. The whole, everybody was excited about it. And they were saying, whoa, Jesus really must be the Messiah. And, and word was spreading and all that. And that made the chief priests nervous because they said, oh no, if word gets back to the Romans... That we have somebody that we think is the king and the one that's going to overthrow them, then they're going to, to kill people and they're going to destroy the temple and they're going to take care of it. And, and so the chief priests had decided we need to take him out. We need to, we need to take care of Jesus before the Romans take care of us. And so Jesus and the disciples left and they went back up into, into Galilee on the other side of the lake. All right. So. That's the last time they were in town. They knew they had to get out of there to save their lives. And now they're going back 
And they're thinking, oh no, what's going to happen? Taking them aside, Jesus once more began describing all that was going to happen to him when they arrived at Jerusalem. What did he say? Well, Matthew tells us what he said. Matthew talks about this in Matthew 20. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately, told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. And the disciples were like, oh no, that's exactly what we thought was going to happen. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked and flogged with a whip and crucified. So the point of this is Jesus knew what was going to happen, right? So, here's a couple of, but on the third day, Jesus says, he will be raised from the dead. So before anything happens, Jesus knew what was going to happen, right? A couple of questions for you. Somebody tell me, what did Jesus do in this passage that we read, these passages? He told them what was going to happen. What does that teach you about Jesus? Why is that important? Uh, I heard a lot of different answers. Uh, somebody speak up. What does that teach you about Jesus? Why he knew what was going to happen? He's on a bit. Why is that important? He went willingly. Why is that important? He's being obedient. It, it it shows this didn't take him by surprise. He went into it on purpose. Right? There's and if you keep asking that question, well, why is that important? Why is that important? And then why is that important? You know, it's it's going to teach you some some pretty important stuff. All right. Now, it says at that point they're they're coming near to. Jericho. Now, if you look up on the map, Jericho is that big dot right there. And if you walk up the hills towards the mountains, then you eventually get to the Mount of Olives, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. You see this line is a 10-mile-long line. And so the Mount of Olives is 10 or 12 miles from Jericho. Mount of Olives is two miles or less, depending on where you are on it, from Jerusalem. If you've been there, you know how close it is. If you've never been there, go with me this fall, and you'll see how close it is. All right? And it, here's, here's the readings for that. Luke 18, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And, and if you go to Luke 18.35 in your Bible, you can read what happened about how he healed that and the, the conversation they had before he did. Matthew tells the same story, except Matthew lets us know that there were two of them. Matthew says, as Jesus and the disciples left the city of Jericho, a vast crowd surged along behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road, and when they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Sir, King David's son, have mercy on us. 
They have the same conversation that Luke talked about. But Luke talked about one guy getting healed, and Matthew lets us know, yeah, one guy did, but somebody else did too. All right, so that happened near Jericho. And in Jericho, well, let's skip over that question. In Jericho, Luke 19 tells us what happened when they're in Jericho. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. You all heard about Zacchaeus? Do you know that happened just a little over, about a week before Jesus was crucified? Kind of interesting. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. And you all know what happened if you've been around uh, uh, the church very much. Jesus sees him crawled up in the tree because he was short. And he says, hey, come down. I'm going to eat lunch at your house today. And, and uh, it changed Zacchaeus' life, right? What did Jesus do out of those little three things that we just talked about? He healed. What else did he do? Changed somebody's life. Zacchaeus's, right? Changed, changed the blind men's lives. That's true. What does that teach you about Jesus? Jesus is a week from getting killed. What does it teach you about Jesus? He cares about us. He cares about other people, doesn't he? I mean, he's a, he's a week away from getting beaten within an inch of losing his life and then being executed on a cross. He knows what's going to happen, and yet he takes the time to love on other people. Man, what does that say about you and me and what he thinks about us? It says something, doesn't it? It says something, doesn't it? All right? Then what happens? By evening, this is what happens. Luke 19 says, Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. Now, just so you know, on, on that map, if, you were, if we zoomed in on the Mount of Olives, you'd have Jerusalem right there, two miles away, goes down into a valley, comes back up on the Mount of Olives, and just over the crest of the hill, you find Bethany and Bethphage. Okay? So it's not very far. The whole deal is within two miles of the temple. Okay? So that's where he's going. He sent two of his disciples ahead and said to them, Go to the village ahead of you. It's probably Bethany or Bethphage, right? You'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now, John talks about the same thing. says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, just in case you forgot who he was talking about in the chapter before. Here, dinner is given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Why did Martha serve? Serve? He's, he's Laz- she's Lazarus' sister, Right? Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. They had dinner together at Lazarus' house. That's in Bethany. That's, that's where they're going. So they stop in Bethany on Friday evening because the Sabbath is starting. Saturday's the Sabbath. You don't do anything on the Sabbath, right? Meanwhile, it says, large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there. And they came, not only because of Jesus, 
But they came to see Lazarus, whom he was raised from the dead. Lazarus was kind of a pretty famous guy at this point, right? They wanted to come. They were the paparazzi. They wanted to come and see what was going on. So here it is. On Friday evening, Jesus is having dinner at Lazarus' house, and there are a bunch of people gathering around looking in the windows. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Now, you remember, we, we just talked about how the chief priest wanted to kill Jesus and the disciples because people are starting to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that's going to cause them trouble. And now Lazarus is, he's pretty famous too, so they need to kill Lazarus too. They made plans for that, right? Now, what did Jesus do in this little passage that we've read over? He visited his friends. Yeah, walked on, got close to Jerusalem, visited his friends. What did he do with them? He ate dinner with them. That's right. What does that teach you about Jesus? He was hungry. What does that teach you about Jesus? He's human. He's a guy. Right? Okay. What else does it teach you about Jesus? He's relational. Why is that important? He wants to have a relationship with his people. That's us, right? Does it teach you anything else about Jesus? I bet it does. His priorities are very different than ours. He values quality time. He's personable. He's bold, isn't he? I mean, I, think, I don't know about you. If I knew I was going into a town, because I had to, because, uh, but people there wanted to kill me, but yet I had to go, I think I'd be sneaking around. I, that's just me. I'm sorry. you know. But Jesus wasn't doing that, was he? He's bold. He's bold. He's confident. All right, Saturday, what did Jesus do? Nothing. It's the Sabbath. What does that teach you about Jesus? He was obedient. Yeah, he was obedient. It's, it's the seventh day. You rest. But Jesus, people are plotting to kill you. I'm resting. Why is that important? What does that say in the midst of the stress and the things that you face? It's important. It's important. Sometimes resting really is an important thing to do, even in the middle of your deadlines, in your bills, in your family troubles, in your, you know, whatever it is. God's timing is a big deal. It was a big deal to Jesus, wasn't it? And we get to Palm Sunday. It's today, right? Matthew 21. You know what he did. He, he goes, he's, he's riding this foal of a donkey. Now there's a, a note in this, if, if you have one of these. It says that uh, Jesus came riding on the donkey's foal. We know that the, the disciples got that 
for him on Friday. Donkey hung out on Saturday. Now he's riding it on Sunday, going into town. There's a little note in here that says, When a king came into a city, if he came riding a donkey's foal, did he come in war or peace? In peace. Now, riding, riding a donkey wasn't what made Jesus humble. Riding a donkey was coming in on a, on a carriage, you know, bedecked with jewels. Riding a donkey was coming in a limousine. Uh, riding a donkey was making a statement. Now, if Jesus had come riding a horse, would he be coming in war or peace? In war. What does it say that the next time Jesus goes into Jerusalem, he'll be riding? A horse. Riding a white horse, right? But this time he's coming in peace and he's making a statement. I'm riding a limo because, uh, yeah, I am king. I am Messiah. So, Matthew says, this was done to fulfill the ancient prophecy. The prophecy says, tell Jerusalem her king is coming to her, riding humbly on a donkey's colt. Zechariah is where that prophecy come from, Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Daughter of, shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, John tells us, I don't think this is in your thing. John tells us that at first his disciples didn't understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about Jesus and that they had done these things to him. So they didn't realize it at the time, John tells us. All right, but the question is, what did Jesus do? That's why it's important, but what did he do, literally? What did he do? He rode in on a donkey's foal, a young donkey, all the way into Jerusalem, right? There's a lot more to those stories. If you go to those passages in your Bible, you'll read more of what happened. But why is it important? He was fulfilling prophecy that showed that he's Messiah, right? Is there any other thing that you can think of about what does it teach you about Jesus? He came in peace, and he's still coming in peace, isn't he? To you and to me. Comes in peace. All right, so that's... That's an important thing to realize. Do you see, you see what we're doing as we walk through this? As he gets in Jerusalem, the crowds spread out their robes along the road ahead of him. And as they reached the place where the road started down from the Mount of Olives, down toward the valley, the whole procession began to shout and to sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles Jesus had done. They were excited, right? Luke says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to quit. Right? Why were they doing that? They're scared. They don't want to be killed and put to death. It was about two miles, you know, this, this whole path as they were going. And you have to realize that as everybody's coming into town for, 
for Passover. Passover, to, to say it's like our July 4th, our Independence Day, doesn't tell you how big it was. It was their Independence Day. This is the day that they were set free from slavery in Egypt and that eventually resulted in them having their own land and nation and all that and be, walking into to you know, being the people of God. This is their Independence Day. They're celebrating that, and it's written about in scriptures. Ours isn't. I mean, we, if you think about going into Washington, D.C. on July 4th, big celebration, but ours wasn't written about in scripture. I mean, this has God behind it, right? This is a big deal. And here they are coming up on that. Big celebration, which makes the Romans nervous already, doesn't it? Because they're all thinking about independence, and Rome is the one in charge and oppressing them at the moment. So there's tension building because of this, and they're coming in celebrating that the Messiah's there. All right? As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. The only other time we're told directly when Jesus cried was a couple of chapters ago and in, in when he, uh, just before he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. This is the other time that we're told specifically he cried. And he said to Jerusalem, if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Boy, I could preach on that for about a week. So what did Jesus do? He's riding on the donkey, and then what, is he, what does he do? He weeps, and he prophesies. But why is he weeping? He knows awful things are going to happen in Jerusalem. Right? What does that teach you about Jesus? He's compassionate. He cares. He really cares. Why is that important? Because he really cares for you and me. Right? Does it teach you something else about Jesus? He knew his Bible. Because all that stuff was talked about in, in the scriptures. And he knew it. So he knew his Bible. Why is that important? Validate scripture. Validate scripture. Okay. That's, yeah, that's an important thing. Maybe we should know about that too. Yeah. Does it say anything else about Jesus? Yeah. He knows what's going to happen. What? 
There's a reality of judgment for sin. That's important. All right, so you, you see what's going on here, right? Palm Sunday, after he goes into town, he cleansed the temple, he healed the blind, and the children in the temple proclaimed him as Messiah. And again, the chief priests and Pharisees said, tell him to shut up. And he said, let him. Let him do it. Now, we didn't read those, but again, that's something that you would need to ask. So what did Jesus do? Why is that important? What does it teach you about Jesus? Then at the end of the day, it says, he looked around carefully at everything, then left. For now, it was late in the afternoon, and he went out to Bethany with the 12 disciples. Who lived in Bethany? Lazarus, Mary and Martha. So he went back out. He, he was bunking with them for the week. Right? So that's what happened on Palm Sunday. As you walk through this this week, I want you to ask those questions. What did Jesus do? And why is it important? What does it teach us about Jesus? Okay? Now here's, again, you're going to see some things like, whoa, I, I never realized that even happened or that that happened during Holy Week or, you know, that Jesus cursed the fig tree one day and the next day they saw that it was dead. And I mean, I, it'll, it'll connect things. It'll also bring up some questions in your mind. Here's the awesome thing about that is as you sit before the Lord and read and ask these questions, God's going to reveal some things to you. And he's going to reveal some things to you that matter in your life. It's going to be applicable to your situation. It's going to matter in your family, your job, your trials, your, you know, it's going to meet you. God will meet you through this where you are. So I invite you this week to follow Jesus through the steps that he made. And to do it contemplatively, which means you're going to think about it and pray about it and say, huh, maybe I need to read a little bit more of that and find out what happened. And that you'll do it by giving God the opportunity to meet you there. Ask those questions. So what is it that Jesus did? What does that say? Why is that important? And I, I, I challenge you, do that this week. Walk through this week, step by step, with Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you've taught us through what, uh, what Paul taught Timothy. You've taught us that Scripture is alive and breathing, but that's because your spirit teaches us as we meet you there. And God, I ask your blessing upon everybody in this room and everybody who's going to be doing them, doing this this week, that you will meet us there, that you will reveal mysteries to us, that you will speak to us about the things that burden our hearts, that you will reveal blessing and, and your heart to us as we do it. 
Lord, as we seek out what you have done and why it's important, that we'll get to know you better, that it'll matter and even change our lives. So, Lord God, let your hand, let your blessing, let your very presence be with us as we follow where you walked during this holy week. That's our prayer for your glory. Amen. Amen.